What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Cap. This is your boy, Big JD, and we're going to do what? We're going to cultivate. This is your girl, Erica, and we are going to accumulate and, and together, together we're, we're going to prosper. prosper. It's been a moment since we've been back in the booth. I'm glad to be back. Took a little break in July, but we're back in here today. How you feeling? I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling great. It is good to be back. I missed it. I missed right, it. Right. Likewise. So let's go ahead and get into what the buzz is. The first buzz topic is the Memphis DA, Stephen Mulroy, has dropped 30 cases of those five police officers that were uh, convicted of second-degree murder of Tyree Nichols back in January. What's your thought on that? I, I, I saw that, and that was very interesting. That was very interesting to me because here it is, you have these um, police officers and what they did was horrific to Tyree Nichols. May he rest in peace. But it's like you've dropped 30 cases and they said it keeps growing. The number keeps growing. It's like different things that these people have done, but especially they had a especially special thing on there that they said, especially if it, if it was... Uh, excruciating force you know they put so much force and so much pain to Tyree Nichols who else have you done this to so apparently a lot of things have come out since um, these uh, officers were arrested yeah um, I think that this uh, is something that was needed as well as uh, just not just here in Memphis but all across the country Um, you got the situation with the six white officers in Mississippi who um, recently for torturing two black men and they're calling themselves a goon squad. I think these five brothers called themselves something. I don't know what it was, but they essentially did the same thing to Tyree Nichols. So holding police departments accountable is is key. Uh, this notion that um, it's a few bad apples that's getting played. It's more than a few bad apples. Uh, I mean, I know some police officers I went to school with that are good people and do their job properly, but it's more than just a few bad apples. And until uh, defense uh, DAs across the country start holding these officers accountable to what they do, particularly against people of color, black people, um, and other minorities, stuff like this is going to continue to happen. And, you know, you've got to have some action that's done in order to combat this, or it's going to get out of hand more than what it already has. And it just continues to create tension and division with the police officers and the black community. So question, you said you saw where this has happened in Mississippi as well? With six white officers, yes. Some, uh, I forgot the the name of the town. It's not far from Jackson, if I'm not mistaken. But that's been all in news as well. Um, They dropped the cases as well? They haven't dropped the cases yet. They got to investigate other incidents, but what they're standing in court now about is what they did to two black men uh, by torturing them, and they called themselves the Goon Squad, so it was wow. six of them. But um, like I said, it, this this is something that's been going on well before we was born. Um, it's still going on now in 2023, and I, I you know, and it affects the political climate that's going on and just the culture that's going on in this country. Uh, with whoever people are affiliated with politically, whether it's conservatism, liberal, or whatever. Right. It just needs to stop. And because um, 
what kind of world we're going to leave our children and grandchildren. So we have to be active, proactive in holding these folks accountable. Exactly. And so that's, that's something. So I'm glad to see this. Um, and hopefully this happened more across the country, whether the officers are black or white. Exactly. Yeah. Now the next buzz on a lighter note, of course, we know a few <laughs> months ago, the whole Usher situation with Kiki Palmer well, now my guy has got a video and a new song out called Boyfriend, and Kiki Palmer's in there. What do you think about that? Okay. Forgive me, because I'm laughing. <laughs> it's funny to me. I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I uh, took the time, because I saw just a snippet uh, earlier. I think the day that, that they released the video, I saw a small snippet, and I couldn't do help but smile then. But yesterday, I chose to watch... The whole video. And at the end, you know, they throwing a little shade in there. You know mm. what I'm saying? They throwing a little shade. You know, Kiki is like uh, looking at the phone and everything. And she was like, uh, you know, oh, man, I can't believe I missed the show. And then she looked at the camera and winked. And she's like, you know, I'm a mother after all. I'm like, okay. Okay, it's a little shade there. It's a little shade. Yeah, it's... um. It's it's no it's it's hilarious you know I I think that from my understanding the song was already produced before this whole scenario happened they just marketing genius just took a chance on uh you know using this situation to promote it which was smart I can't man I would not be mad at Usher for how he's used this to his advantage Kiki um, I know people have different opinions on the situation with her child's father or whatnot. Um, you know, it is what it is. They're no longer together. From my understanding in the news, they're saying right. he's uh, looking at trying to get full custody of his son and child support. If that is true, you know, to each his own opinion, but um, I think that they should just co-parent, and, and if they decide, since they decide to go their separate ways, do that. But I mean, you know, you're going to have people who take stances on her side. you got people taking stances on his side. But the biggest thing is how they how they raise their son, you know. Uh, That's most when, when it's When it's all said and done. But uh, I still think that if he sh maybe should have addressed her in private instead of publicly on Twitter. Um, but, you know, that was his decision, and the backlash came, and here we are. So... But like I said, uh, the, the the video is reminiscent of one of my songs by Usher I like called You Don't Have to Call. They did that whole <laughs> type of uh feel to it. So uh, you know, it was it was it was cool and then her shade at the end just uh, you know, that was the cherry on top, I guess, you know. So Yes, yeah. yes. It was hilarious to me. I was like, Okay, okay. But but let me say the video was a good video too. I enjoyed the video, um, the dancing and all. They yeah. worked pretty well together. Look good together. Listen, you guys, as we said, it has been a while, and um, I am so happy to be here to be able to introduce um, our guests for today. Uh, I don't mind saying that I first came to know uh, this young man five years ago, um, and five years ago, yesterday, he was one of my first speakers at uh, Manifest Conference as I launched my business, Ephesians 6 Productions. Happy anniversary to me. Um, 
He he has a bachelor's in Christian ministry, a master's in Christian ministry from Memphis Theological Seminary. Um, he is a preacher. He is an entrepreneur. He is the founder of Empowering Services, a youth mentoring group. He is the author of Dream Big, Think Big, Act Big. I have that book myself. I went to the book signing the week after my conference. Wonderful book. You guys need to make sure you get it. He is married to my friend and former classmate, Monica Broom, and they have three beautiful children. He is also the author of the hashtag, Y'all ain't praying. And when you see him, look at the shirt. That's all I'm saying. You guys, we welcome Christopher Broom this morning. All right, all right, all right. Thank you for having me. We're glad to have you here. Glad tell to have us, you here, man. Yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris. Uh, basically, you named it all, so I won't repeat it. Um, <laughs> you look you good know, on paper. Um, the biggest thing I would tell people about myself is, uh, you know, I have accomplished a lot of things. I'm not going to downplay that. But my biggest accomplishment is my GED. So um, that is something I always tell people. I don't downplay that. GED, father, pastor, husband, regular dude who likes to have fun. That's it. That's all That's I do. So. Without your food, don't want your food to touch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, you know, I, I, you know, I don't see how people eat. Macaroni and candied yams <laughs> and 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 uh, cranberry sauce and dressing and all of it smashed together on one plate, you know it is is you know the devil got a hold of some of y'all, you know. <laughs> God said, "Be ye separated." <laughs> put the put the put the put the macaroni in one spot. Put the uh, put the chicken on another plate. It don't need to touch Wait nothing, anything. Huh. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Everything needs to be separated. But then, you know, people say, well, it go down to the same spot. I don't care. It don't need to go at the same time. <laughs> hey, our viewers, if it's any indication, we're going to have some fun today, okay? <laughs> we are going to have some fun. Um, I want to get right into it, Chris. Um, we have already said you have, uh, oh, man, you have a massive resume, uh Wonderful. I want to be like you when I grow up and I'm older. Um, so let me ask you, um, what would you say? Because you are, as we have said, preacher, entrepreneur, you're a speaker. Um, what would you say to someone who was trying to get into the speaking arena? Uh, I would say the first thing I would say is make sure you be authentic. There's a lot of speakers out there, a lot. One of the reasons why I shunned being a preacher was my complaint was, well, God, you got enough preachers. I don't hoop. I don't holler. Right. I don't climb on benches. I don't change my voice when I preach. I'm like, you got enough of that. I'm not against it, but you got enough of that. I don't do that. Everybody seem want to not have the same message, but it's like they're gearing towards the same style. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm good with that. I don't have it, and I'm good. And as the years went by, I felt the call of God saying, that's why I'm calling you, is because if you do it, if you accept the call, 
you will be authentic. Not saying they're not authentic because they are. They're just authentic in their own way. And I felt like if I was going to be a preacher, I had to be that what other people were. The hooping, the hollering, the climbing on benches and the showcase and blah, blah, blah. And God was telling me, that's why I'm calling you is so that you can be authentic in your way. Everybody's not a hooper. Everybody's not a hollerer. Everybody's not a shouter. Some people want to sit down and be taught. Some people want to sit down and both enjoy a message and laugh, a story here and there. Some people want to hear a, a, a personal testimony of what I've done for them with biblical principles. And as the years went by, I began to accept myself and accept my story and accept my testimony. That's the first thing. You have to be authentic because it's too many speakers. It's a lot of people. It Just be authentic. Once you start there, everything else will begin to unfold. That makes, that makes perfect sense, man. Uh, definitely that. What I wanted to ask you was what made you decide to pivot as a motivational speaker to becoming a pastor? Because I, I know you always hear the saying, I was called to pastor, which I don't ever question anybody's calling right. on their life, but... Yeah, I just wanted to know, you know, that what made you decide to pivot that way. So actually, mine was the opposite. I actually hate the term motivational speaker. I hate it. I only use it or started using it when I started going to the schools to speak. Yeah. So I actually pivoted from being a preacher to a motivational speaker because what happened was I wasn't getting, when I first started preaching, I wasn't getting enough pulpit opportunity. I'm like, God, I know there's like, you know, there's more purpose to me than waiting on somebody to tell me when I can preach. And it, it was over the years. God was like, look, son, the pulpit is not the only place you can get a message out. Get your butt out there and speak to these kids. Get your butt out there and speak to these parents. Get your butt out there and speak to folks at a park in the community. I mean, it, it, it just clicked. And I'm like, OK, cool. I started going to schools. Hey, I'll speak for free. I'll do this for free. And before I knew it, I started using the term motivational speaker because most schools, while they'll call you a preacher, you can't go in talking about Jesus Christ coming to save you in a school system, right? So what I had to do was, was say, well, I'm a motivational speaker just so when schools would introduce me or people would introduce me at like more broader events, they wouldn't be so so captured by the word preacher where they think I'm coming to preach like yeah. a pastor or a church kind of thing. So okay. I just started using motivational speaker, but I actually hate the term to be honest with you, but that's what the pivot came from preacher to motivational speaker so that I could broaden my range of crowds that I spoke to, but make no mistake about it. When I do stand before those kids, I'm preaching to them period. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just don't call it preaching. It's more so motivational speaking is what we call it. But me, I'm preaching to them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's, it's just as much good as a gospel to them as I am in a church. It's just I'm not in a church. Yeah. And so to make it more acceptable in the corporate world or the school or educational world, I just called it motivational speaking. Makes sense. It does. I actually saw a video um, just yesterday uh, of when you were – talking to the kids and it was like literally like about four years ago mm -hmm. um and i was like wow he preaching to these kids all yeah. right 
And then now you're actually like a pastor of a church, and it's like, I'm like, I I wouldn't mind going one day because I'm pretty sure it's still the same concept. Like mm-hmm. you're in there and you're a pastor of an actual church now and everything, but I'm pretty sure you're able to use the, the same concept because just as you said, it's not you wanting to go out there and just, you know, you, you want to have your own style and you mm-hmm. want to be Chris, not give them what everybody else is looking for. So I'm pretty sure it's still not the hollering or. <laughs> but listen, in all these years of you speaking and the empowering services and everything, um, what would you say has been? Because anybody who knows me knows I'm I'm, I'm the det- I'm the detour chick. So it's always gonna be a question in there mm-hmm. about detours somewhere. So what has been your most challenging detour along this journey? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I think the most challenging detour is, it's been two things. One, making sure I stay consistent in, in being authentic while yet growing as I continue to do the work. Okay. That's the challenge, right? Is keep being yourself no matter what space you navigate yourself in but yet growing while you're yet navigating these spaces, right? So how can I be a pastor and still be Chris? How can I be on Facebook and still be Chris? How can I be on Instagram and still be Chris? How can I be in a school and still be Chris? How can I be in a business meeting and still be Chris? How can I operate my business and still be Chris? How can I be a father and still be Chris? How can I be a husband and still be Chris? How can I be a son, a brother, a nephew, an uncle and still be myself but yet still grow to the point to where, okay, I'm not the same husband I was 10 years ago. I'm not the same pastor I was last year. I'm not the same type of uh, preacher I was last year. So it's, that's the biggest challenge, making sure you stay authentic in every space you navigate. I know people that are one way at school, one way at the gym, mm-hmm. one way on Facebook, one way in private, one way at a party. I can put this version of Chris Broom no matter where I am. No matter where you go, I'm the same. Or no matter where I go, I'm the same person. I navigate every space as myself. That's the biggest challenge. Number two, another challenge is it's just making sure you stay abreast of, of being uncomfortable, right? So we say that because it sounds cute, right? But then we navigate comfortable spaces and we stay there, right? And so oftentimes God will push you into an uncomfortable Mm. zone. And so what happened for me was I got comfortable. Like I told you earlier before we got on air, it was more so um, I got comfortable with the schools. I was getting my contracts. But in 2018, God pushed me to be sick. And I, you know, I credit God to that uh, because I really did get comfortable and God had to lay me down. I had a had what you call an appendicitis, mm-hmm. and that ruptured almost took me out. What well, was supposed to be a two-day surgery turned into me being in the hospital for two weeks, literally almost dying from that. And then in 2020, I almost dying from COVID. Those two biggest challenges was can you still believe what wow. God has showed you when the evidence does not match the vision? Mm, say so it again. can you still believe what God has showed you when the evidence does not match the vision? God showed me. That I would be, and I'm not running, you know, what God showed you and it ain't going to happen. I'm just saying, I didn't ask God to see this, right? 
God showed me I would be traveling the world speaking, that I would be speaking to young folks, traveling the world speaking, uh, teaching at universities, blah, blah, blah. And when I was in the hospital, that's, the, that's one of the things, along with my kids and my family, that's one of the things that kept me breathing. Well, I said, God, if I die now, that makes you a liar. See, we're scared to talk to God like that. Wow. If I die now, you're a liar. Because I said, cause, because you showed me X, Y, and Z, and I hadn't seen it yet. I've seen only A, B, C. I ain't made it to X, Y, and Z yet. So if I die at D and E, then you're a liar. You know that ain't true. And you know that ain't true, right? But when you bold enough and you know your purpose and you know your calling, then when those challenging moments come, you can hold God accountable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, that's that's very uh, powerful. Powerful what you're saying, and and I, I definitely understand the part about coming out of your comfort zone. In order to get anything accomplished in this life, besides your faith in God, you got to be able to come out your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And um, I know all too well about that. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they may say something, but saying something and doing something are two totally different things. And, uh, you know, being in your comfort zone is, is one of those things where you got to be bold enough to come out of it. Uh, the longer you stay in it, the longer things stay the same. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know is what is one of your most memorable experiences with your, your youth mentoring service uh, program, Empowering Futures? Oh, uh, that came from when I shifted from – the uh, most memorable experience was when I shifted from being, uh, so my empowering futures used to focus on everybody, boys, girls, the whole nine yards. I felt the call to just focus on young men. And um, I'm like, people just don't support young men. We got a billion stuff for young women. We love telling young women how to keep the bodies and how to do this and how to do that. And so I started Googling mentoring services and, you got programs out there. Don't get it twisted. But it would be like for one day or one week or a month or something. Yeah. Uh, nothing was consistent for young men that was sustainable for years where you know every week, every month, every year, this is what you're getting for young men. So that process started happening. I knew what God put in my heart. And God spoke to me and said, if you don't do it this year, this was in 2019, if you don't do it this year, what I showed you, I'm going to give it to somebody else. Those, that is what I heard my conscience tell me. I started this year. This is two weeks before the camp started. I had no money, and I had my own money, but I didn't want to use my own money. I'm like, I'm not about to start. No, I'm not putting my own money into this. Again, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, well, I, you know, I know what I heard, right? I get it started, spend my own money, and I put it out there. I got 25 spots for young men uh, for this camp. We do the camp. People donate from Facebook. I mean, everything I needed, donated. And um, at the end of camp, we have a banquet. And one of the young men says, this camp has uh, stopped me from committing suicide. Wow. That That is, and, you know, I had told my wife, look, I ain't going to bust out in tears with this banquet if somebody say something like this. And when that little boy said that, ah, 
I made mm. the ugly cry. <laughs> <laughs> so that is probably the most, not probably, that is the most memorable moment from that's powerful, from that, man. you know, from that service or, that, or from that business. That is powerful because for young men to speak out like that, and we've grown as young men, we were once young men before. It, yeah, it's a lot of things uh, with young ladies' programs out there which are needed, and young ladies typically uh, express their emotions quicker. But young guys, you know, a lot of times we grow up being told, you know, oh, not do this, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And it's embedded in us, some of us, even as grown men, until we realize, mm -hmm. you know, it's okay not to be okay. You know, so that was, man, that was real powerful, man. Real powerful. Wow. So, um, listen, we have this thing where we have some special questions that we ask as well. All right. Um that goes along with uh, what we talk about, cultivate, accumulate, and prosper. Okay. Um, cat. So let's yeah. go with cultivate first. Yeah, I just want to know what was the moment in your life that caused you to cultivate your gift of speaking along with your faith to allow you to do everything that you're doing now? What was, if you can remember, maybe that, singular moment or that, that epiphany moment that caused you to become who Chris Broom is now with everything that you do, all the hats that you wear. Got you. I I can't credit one moment to that. I, I, I would be a discredit or it would be a discredit to my journey to say, well, I had one moment, right? Yeah. But I've had several moments yeah. that were bigger than other moments and one of those moments where, you know, I just wanted to find out who I was. See, I grew up in church. And when, you know, I know everybody got their church store, went to church. Fight. Nah, bro, we were there all day. I, like, I, <laughs> my sister and mm -hmm. I was just talking about this to my mama. We were at church from 8 in the morning on Sunday until 10 at night. And when I tell you we were there, did not leave the building for 14 hours. Oh, wow. On Sunday. We didn't leave the building. We got to church at 8, Sunday school at 9. Sunday school from 9 to 11, worship from 11 to 2.30. 2.30, we went back in the back to eat from 3 to 7. From 7 to 7.30, we're getting ready for night service, night service, 7.30 to 10.30. Mm -hmm. Didn't leave the building. We did this for years. I'm getting to a point. Right? So we do all of that, and as you grow up, and then, like, I'm not even talking about Monday revival, Wednesday Bible study, Friday Bible study, Saturday choir oh, wow. rehearsal, because I was a drummer as well. Yeah. So, you know, I had to be a choir rehearsal and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and it all wasn't bad. What I'm saying is when you grow up like that, your identity becomes one thing. Yeah. So to me, I didn't know too much about, you, you know, I knew about rappers, but I didn't know, you know, much about football because we did church on Sunday. Football comes on Sunday. And as you get older, you say, man, all I know is church. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a church freak or church nerd. And most people think that's cool. I didn't think that was cool. Yeah. I just thought I was so sheltered from what the world offers. Yeah. And I said, God, I, I want to be more um, of myself. Who am I outside of church? Who am I? So I just went on a deep spiritual journey like i would tell myself if my pastor died right now would i even believe in god so come to find out i was serving my pastor i wasn't even serving god mm -hmm. 
I was worshiping my bishop. I didn't worship God. I was worshiping him. Everything I did was to please him. So as I started speaking, I had to change language, right? If they got rid of all the Bibles, would you still know the word? Most people afraid to talk like that. So I started doing Bible studies with no Bible. Wow. You got to be able to talk it. You are the Bible. You are the word. You are represented. You are the disciple. They got rid of all the books. Do you still know God? So I started shifting like that. But once I started thinking on a deeper level, you got to be able to know it and it be in you. It be in you. Like it has to be in you. You know what I'm saying? So that's what caused the shift. Uh, and I hope I'm answering the question, but that's what yeah. caused the shift with the speaking, right? You got to be able to shift, right? You got to be able to shift in any space. I can talk to an atheist and not send him to hell. I can talk to a Buddhist and not send him to hell because I can't send him no way. So why would I even try to attempt to do it? He's still a human being. Yeah. He's still a brother. He's still a friend. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, I can go in any space. LGBTQIA plus community. So what? We can disagree with it all we want. But can you talk to them? They're still humans. Yeah. Still people. Right? Yeah. I can go, you know, I can talk to a Muslim. So I started broadening my language, right? And that, you know, that came when I started navigating spaces outside of church. And my speaking got broader. And then, you know, another instance was, you know, another moment, you know, I do surveys after I speak too. And one of the kids told me, look, Mr. Broom, you use too much sports analogies. We don't know nothing about no sports. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, I got you. I went back to the drawing board. So that that like one, I started getting outside the church more, at the walls, right? Yeah. And two, I started being more open to criticism. And this, you know, I started that's, navigating those spaces, man. That's definitely a key is being open to criticism, constructive. Um, if it's and this is my opinion, if it's regular criticism that happens. Uh, but then you you can't let that you can't let that affect you. But mm -hmm. constructive criticism, you should embrace it, even if you don't like hearing it, because it's 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 constructive. It's the operative word, not destructive. Uh, it's gonna always be as people say, haters. That's a part of life. But you got to, you know, just because I always say, uh, an old brain drop I said before, just because you're hearing doubts don't mean you got to listen. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but that is by how what you said about broadening your, your way of getting your message out there and not for it to fit in a box, which a lot of people tend to, religious or not religious, want to fit everything in a box. And, and no one in the world is, everyone is different. Right. But, you know. And, and to love God is to love people, exactly. even when you don't necessarily agree with their lifestyle or their opinion, but can you still be respectful? And a lot of people have lost that today, and that's what turned a lot of people off from the church along with other things. But I tell people, when people say that about the church, I'm like, well, the church is just like any other place, like just like a hospital, man. Mm -hmm. People go, go in there with a whole gamut of issues. So don't let that be the reason you don't seek a better way of life will see God. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people are going to be entitled to their opinion. I try not to sway either way. I know right. where I stand on. Right. But uh, as long as you're respectful, we right. good. Once we you good. get disrespectful, then I'll remove myself from around you because your opinion is what it is. It's your opinion from right. your experiences or your outlook, but the world is so much broader. 
And it was very interesting to me uh, listening to you talk just then because um, everything that I did was in the church. You know, I wasn't, you know, uh, the daughter of a pastor or anything, but I had been in the church serving from age six to adulthood. Everything that I did was in the church. I was trying to please people in the church. And I knew nothing outside, but I'm like, I keep seeing that God wants me speaking. God wants me doing more. It has been said to me, I'm not going to get that here. I'm not going to be able to further my purpose doing it all here. So I went outside. I got the degree in social social services. I got the, the degree in leadership. I started doing more things in the community, helping with uh, Heal the Hood Foundation, um, speaking to kids in the schools, you know, wasn't getting paid for it. Well, I was technically because I was doing it through a job. But I started doing these things more, and I started seeing, you know what, I'm able to reach more people this way. You know, it's people. God doesn't have me to reach these people that's in the church. I enjoy doing it. It's nothing wrong with that. I don't fault anybody for that. But I didn't really start existing and start the journey to a purpose until I got outside of that, mm-hmm. out of my comfort zone, right. around away from anybody else that I knew to the point where it's like, Erica, you got to grow up now. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole lot of growing there. I totally agree with you in that. Yeah. Over the years, um, what would you say you have accumulated? Hmm. Get, it, kind of explain to me what you mean by accumulate. So, like, I know you said you got your GED and then you went even further from that. The things that you have accumulated, some accumulate wealth. Right. So um, part of the book, the reason why I wrote the book was, if you read, I can guarantee you this, just go to any bookstore and pull up any success book. Just grab them off the shelf. I'm telling you what I've done. Every last one of them just about tells you about the process once they're in the end. Steve Harvey wrote his book after he became rich, right? Most people write their success journey after they've accumulated. I'm like, what about the people who's in the process, who don't have a million dollars, who don't have a Bugatti and a Benz and a 500 million, I mean, and a half a million dollar home in East Tennessee and there are people who live in the hood that we don't consider successful. But these are some of the smartest, hardest working people because we're told hard work, you know, will get you anything. Well, now my mother worked hard and was still broke. You know what I'm saying? But I know people who literally make a million dollars sitting in the office. Ain't lifting a finger. I'm getting to a point, right? So my book that I focused on says... If you haven't accumulated everything you set out to accumulate, you're still successful because Earl Nightingale's definition Mm. of successful is if you have a goal and you take one step towards that goal, you are just as successful in that first step as you are in that quote unquote last step it takes to get to that goal. You're no more successful because you made it to the goal than you have been taking a first step towards that goal. So he says, if you know where you're going, and you know how you want to get there. And the first step you take, 
you are already successful. So my book was an inspiration to let people know in the middle of the process, not at the end, because I ain't got a million dollars. I live in Hickory Hill. I don't live in Germantown. You know what I'm saying? I'm not against any of that. I'm just saying that's when people usually write their books, right? Once yeah. they get there. No, I wrote a book to show you that I'm in the process of accumulating, mm -hmm. right? Now, I've accumulated some stuff, but I'm still in the process of accumulating. Mm -hmm. I got my GED. You know what I'm saying? Got my master's degree. I'm getting my doctor's degree. I'm starting the businesses. I already have one businesses. I'm already in the schools, but I'm not getting paid what I want to get paid. I'm getting paid a pretty good penny, but not what I want to get paid. But, but I'm going to write this book anyway to show you that in the middle of the process, while you're accumulating, here's what you do. Here's, what, here's how you keep doing it. So those are some things I've accumulated. Was, you know, the GED, the master's degree, the book, uh, I'm getting a, a doctoral degree. I graduate with that in next May, becoming a pastor, starting a mentoring program, my wife, my kids, wisdom, experiences. And I haven't made it to what God has showed me yet, right? But I've accumulated more than anything, more than any of those degrees, more than any being, you know, being called a 20 most influential most influential person, I've accumulated the experiences. I've accumulated the journey. Right. Mm. And that is that is that is what I value the most. That that makes sense. It's what I always tell people is the you're you're built through the journey, um, and not the destination. Yeah. The journey is what makes you. Um and a lot of us, no matter what we're doing, are going through a journey, but it, you know, where your destination ends up is basically what you learning through your journey and what pivots you make and, and, and what roads you take mm -hmm. and uh, what uh, trails you decide to blaze. And everyone's going to be different, but it's the journey that makes a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. um, but we on time, we look at it because of culture. We look at the destination. Uh, you know, Of course, we all seek to have money, but we look at the tangible material things and not the intangible, the experiences, the wisdom, the, the perseverance, the persistence, yeah. those things that make a man or woman a great individual that God can use to uh, impact other people's lives. So I definitely get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So sure. in all of that, my last question was going to be, would you say uh, it's been prosperous, but in listening to you, it seems like you're on the road to the prosperous part. Right. Not that, to say that it hasn't been. Right. No, I got you. So that 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 depends on also how you would define prosperity, right? Or what it means to be prosperous. Um, so I've no longer put my definition of prosperous just on money alone, right? Right. I've tacked it to, you know, a whole bunch of things. I think it's Earl Nightingale as well <laughs> that says the things that has no cost to it, we don't value at all. Mm -hmm. And then the things that has cost to it, we value the most. But the things that has a cost to it has no value. And the things that has no cost to it has all the value. Wow. The air we breathe, the eyes we see with, we didn't pay for any of this, right? But we don't value it the way we value our car, our houses, you know, and all these things. So um, I put prosperity on whether or not, my wife and kids make it home at night. 
that, 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 and I'm dead serious. Like, I'm praying the whole time that my wife gets home, my kids get home, I'm prosperous right there. And then I ask children all the time, would you let me cut your finger off for $10 million? They say, no, nah, Mr. Broom. <laughs> I say, man, give me your hand for $10 million. Or, well, you know, like, give me your arm for a billion dollars. No, nah, Mr. Broom. I says, well, you at least have a billion dollars on your arm. You won't give me your finger for $10 million? That means uh, you, you at least have a $10 million idea. If you won't give me this for $10 million, that means this has no value to it, or this has more value to it than money can buy, right? So prosperity is not just the monetary things. is the activities mm-hmm. of your limbs, the health. You know what I'm saying? So being in the hospital twice, you know, lets me know that your health is the most prosperous thing you can have. Your That's mental it. health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, everything. Other than that, you're going to get money. You're going to lose money. You're going to get cars. You're going to lose cars. The car you got five years ago, you were so excited about it, you can't stand it now. The woman you had five years ago, you excited about her, you can't have stand them now. Same thing with dudes. You can't have stand them now, right? It's the prosperity is how you define it. Stop letting the world define what is prosperity. My wife, my kids, and my journey. That's how I define prosperity. That's powerful, man. That's very powerful. Um, word and words of wisdom you just imparted on us. For those of y'all who are watching this podcast, remember um, to go and subscribe. Subscribe on YouTube uh, at the Cap Podcast, as well as um, any questions you may have when it pertains to the Banana Peel at the Cap Podcast three at gmail dot com. Now we're in a segment of our show where we like to have a little fun. We call it Pick One. Uh, so I, I'm going to start it off. Um, and I'm actually, I, I, like I said, I know we met some years ago when I was working at W.E.B. Du Bois Charter School. Uh, and you came and, and spoke to the students. That's when we first met. That was 2015. So that's been eight years ago. And I do know we're Facebook friends and everything. And we've spoken off off the record before as well, and we have a a certain uh, athlete uh, that we are very both very fond of, <laughs> um, you know, who's no longer with us. But um, and so what I wanted to ask you, and I'm gonna give you my take and let you give me your take. Which Kobe would you say is 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 the best is is the best for you? Is it number eight, Kobe? Or number 24. Now, for me, I'm going to say I like both, <laughs> but I'm going with 24 simply because I think that's when the, the 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 true Mamba motivation was built. When he was number eight, he had all the physical gifts, still young. I mean, because we're back, me and him was basically a year apart as far as age, but that was the young Kobe Hashak, but he was still a beast now. But when he changed over to 24, that's when that Mamba mentality, it was almost like my other favorite player, which is MJ. He had that it factor. But which one is your favorite? 24 all day. 
24 all day. Now, don't get it twisted. Eight is oh. off the chain. Yeah. I like, I loved eight's mentality simply because he walked up in MJ face and said, I'll school you one-on-one. Wow. Yeah, seriously, like Phil Jackson yeah. tell that story where he brought Jordan in to kind of talk to him. And the first thing Kobe did when he walked in the room and saw Jordan said, I'll bust yo, you know what, right now. Many people weren't talking to Jordan like that. And here's a 19-year-old kid talking to him like that. I respect that. And the reason why I respect that is is because Kobe like, okay, I, you know, I admire you, but I don't care nothing about this legend, this, this, you know, this MJ mystique that you gotta fear him. I like that kind of mentality where you're willing to respect the elders, but I'm gonna challenge you because Tupac also said I studied the great so that they won't be great to me anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. the reason why some of these people great does because you ain't read their story. Dr. King, Dr. King, not great to me anymore. He's just not. I admire. I, I don't read about him so much. I'm like, I can do some of that. I just don't. But we could do some of that, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All these days, like the people, Malcolm X, not great to me anymore. Rosa Parks, not great to me anymore. They great to people who hadn't studied them. If you studied them, these were common people, right? Number eight was a common dude, but twenty four. <sighs> That dude killed the league, man, and still he didn't have to score 50. He could score 25 and still kill the league because now you see him picking his spots. It became more mental. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I loved it, bro. I loved it. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm not going to uh, tell no stories or nothing. I ain't going to lie about it. I am not <laughs> as big in the sports. I know about Kobe, and I like Kobe. I can't tell you if it's number eight <laughs> it's number mm. 24. Well, since me and Jerry chose 24, you can choose number eight then, right? I'm going to choose 24 because I listen to y'all, and 24 sounds like it would be what I say, too, because oh. it's the growth. It's that mentality. That's true. It's I... that mentality. So I got an answer I can give, but I just don't know about the sports like y'all. This is what happens when you just look, lady. Right here in the middle of two men. Mm. You know, me and Shamel used to... uh could balance things out. Shamel, you did this to me. You did this to me, girl. I know you watching. You did this to me. I'm just playing. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Now, me, I am really big into music and into movies. So um, my pick one is going to go with movies. And I love movies where you there's a message in it. I like the laugh and the stuff, too. Mm -hmm. I like the action. But I love movies like um, uh, Freedom Riders and... Mm -hmm. Uh, Coach Carter and Lean on Me, you know, those movies, Sister Act 2, you know, Lean something in there where you're going to have something with the kids and with the message behind it. So my pick one, Coach Carter or Lean on Me. Oh, that's still, come on. Let's lean on me all day. <laughs> I mean, this Coach Carter is, it's a good movie. But they used to call me Crazy Joe, not to call me Batman. <laughs> it, it, it's just too many classical moments in that film. You smoke you crack, smoke. don't you? <laughs> Look at me, boy. Don't you smoke crack? <laughs> it, come on, that that is too class. It, 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 it's too classical. You know, uh, <laughs> who authorized you to change the school song? <laughs> it is. No, you did not. <laughs> Rewritten. <laughs> you, you right? It's just too classical. She don't love my mama. Don't love me no more. It, it, it's just too classical. The bathroom song. Or the the 
the uh, the ever popular. He don't believe in you because you can't handle your responsibilities. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What you got, Jerry? What you got? Because I know we give it all of them. I mean, I like I like both of them, no doubt. But if I had to give the edge to one, I would say lean on me simply because of um, both of them are based off true stories, uh, but the, the different colloquialisms and, and different things that were said in that movie. Like especially the part of when he was telling old boy on on the top of it, he said, "Well, you smoke that crack rock shit, ain't you? Well, go ahead and jump." You know? <laughs> that one that always sticks in my mind. Go ahead, don't don't f around with it. Go ahead and it's do it. Long time I've been doing. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of those things where you know when I used to talk with students, when I worked in the school system. I, I had that type of whether I was a teacher, coach, or I was behavior specialist. I had that type of in your face like. You know, I wouldn't want them to do nothing detrimental to themselves, but I would give them that tough love to show them, like, you know, say, hey, you doing this nonsense. You know the cost of this. You know the consequence of this. Oh, you gangster, right? Okay, well, then do it then. No, well, and that's how Joe Clark was. He just he, he made them look like, hey, you so you, you been on doing this? Well, go ahead. Don't F around with it. Go ahead and do it. And it made him stop, and he looked. And so, I, you know, that, <laughs> the bathroom scene, uh you know, just everything. So, yeah. Now, Coach Carter is a good one, but Lean on Me is definitely a classic. Yeah. Coach, Coach Carter just not classic enough. It's, it's the, not. It, it, it's not classic enough for me. There is no generation that has not seen Lean on Me. It is, it, 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 I mean, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, my kids don't know nothing about no Coach Carter, but if they saw me watching Lean on Me again, they would be like, Daddy, you watching that again? Like it, it is, I don't care what I'm doing. If it shows up on TV, I'm watching it. Period. It, that's how classic it is, bro. Yeah. And I can say honestly, like lean on me. Of course, I was going to choose lean on me too. I made it real easy to uh, be able to choose on that one. I'm telling you, but it had such a memorable moment in the in the uh, movie. But it's still popular even today, even, even today. with the way that he yep. helped those young kids. Those kids that people pretty much was writing off, mm -hmm. you know, he get he cleaned that school up. Cleaned it up. Yeah. And the people who couldn't get it done, they couldn't stand it. That's why they caused so many problems for him. Even the mother, you know, did all he could. The the fire chief did all you could to get him out of the school. And quite honestly, I'm gonna give you your props if nobody else has. That's what I see with what you have done with a lot of these youth of the day and you're with empowering futures or with the speaking that you've done. So kudos to you Appreciate for it. all that you have done. Um, I've been learning. I started learning in 2018 from you, just from someone saying, um, me saying, I would love to get into the schools or I would love to do more speaking. And someone saying, you should contact, I believe it was a friend of my mother's, Dorothy Richardson. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, told me I should contact Christopher Broom, and I am so glad that I did. I um, I'm yeah. so glad uh, to be able to witness what that. you have done. I'm so glad that in both situations, I witnessed through Facebook what you went through with appendicitis. Mm -hmm. I witnessed through Facebook what you went through with COVID. Mm -hmm. And wow. mm -hmm. to see that God brought you out of both of those things mm -hmm. shows there's more work to be done. Mm -hmm. So thank yeah. you. Thank you for coming. Thank yeah. you for these powerful 
powerful nuggets you have dropped on us today. Because in every single thing, even even in the pick one, <laughs> you teaching us, brother. So I appreciate you for that, and I appreciate you for coming. So now the next segment of our show is one that, you know, we give a little advice to some people who's in need of some advice. So it's the banana peel. So we fit a peel back that banana. So let's go ahead and get it started. This one says, my fiance and I have been together two years, but six months engaged. I decided one day to surprise him at work with lunch. I get there and he wasn't there. I asked one of his colleagues where he was. Jokingly, the person says he's at lunch with his work wife, Lisa. <laughs> Later at home, I asked him about it. He said it was no big deal in a nonchalant demeanor. I don't like it, um, the situation. What should I do? This is from Raquel from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm, I'm going to let you go first, Erica. What, what do you think about it before I give my take? Okay, so first of all, this is so common. I think there was even a play out there called The Work Husband. You know, you are married at home. But at work, you have the work wife, you have the work husband, and you have this person that you're spending time with and everything. It seems like everybody knows but you. That's not a cool feeling. Um, <laughs> I get it. I understand, you know, it's it's the joke behind it. But um, I, would, I can't say for sure that you should be concerned because it could very well be that he's nonchalant because... It's nothing to it at all. But I think that a conversation still should be had, not because you feel like he's cheating or even to accuse him of cheating, because that's when you're going to have some problems as well, because you don't know what the case is, but to let him know how you feel about that. When you're, I mean, I've never been married, but I would think that even in a relationship, it is important to have the conversation. If it's something that's bothering you, you should have the conversation and get an understanding of where he is in the situation, but also let him understand how you feel. Not being accusing, because you don't know what the facts are. You don't know what the case is. And it could very well be nothing at all, but you don't know unless you have the conversation. All right, so let me peel back this banana. <laughs> That's uh, me from the female perspective. <laughs> all right, and I definitely understand what you're saying, Erica. Um, okay, this is your fiancé, so, you know, you all have been together two years. You've been engaged six months. Uh, okay, so naturally this man is, is without goal, without saying that he's committed to you um, because you all have been together two years and you've been engaged now for six months. Obviously, you live together because you said when you made it home, you asked them about it. I get it. I know in a lot of workplaces, no matter whether it's office or school or warehouse, people, quote, unquote, have these work husbands and work wives. Um, you know, it can go too far sometimes. Sometimes yeah. it's, it's nothing more than just a joke. Uh, I think in this case, if he told you that it was no big deal, uh, and you may have taken it that he said in a nonchalant way, I'm only going by what you said in, in your letter. Um, 
just let them know how it made it made you feel so that won't build up in your mind uh because men and women think differently now we we know this <laughs> apples and oranges we we know how this goes and if you don't let them know how it, how it, how it appears and just leave it like that now it's going to start festering your mind start thinking things mm-hmm. um but I would just say, Raquel, you know, it's probably nothing, but have that conversation with them, but just make sure that you lead with love and not with accusations. Um, You know, because, I mean, it's probably no more, nothing more than them going to lunch. And he didn't know you was going to surprise him at work. I I get it. You know what I'm saying? He didn't didn't know that. I'm sure if he would have known, then he probably wouldn't have went out to lunch with the coworker or whatnot. Uh, but I believe that, you know what I'm saying? Just, just have that conversation with them. Um, but make sure that you don't allow your emotions exactly. to, to get the best of you and, and become accusatory. Cause it's probably nothing more than what he said. They just, I mean, they just end up going out to lunch. What is your take, Chris? I'm really interested Bruh. to hear this. First of all, it's the right time to go and say it. Y'all ain't praying. Uh-huh, that is. First of all, who is this colleague? Let's start there. <laughs> None of this is even a story. Pull back that banana. If it wasn't for this colleague, if I'm the husband, I'm finding out who that is, and we're going to have a real conversation. Why would you even dispose that kind of information or expose that kind of information to my wife? First of all, what mm-hmm. kind of haterade is that, bro? You ain't praying, number one. <laughs> let's, let's start with you. Second of all, now, I'm a gone, you know, you know, I try to be fair. Come on, bro. You can't have no work wife, dog. You, come on, come on, bro. That that's that's uh-uh. That's too dangerous. Like, uh, come come on, bro. That's come on, man. You gotta go and nip that in the bud because that's how stuff happens. You and the wife argue and you get to work, work wife, that be the moment, even though it may have been innocent at first, that'll be the moment after you and the wife have a big argument that the work wife mm. wanna take you to another level. And before you know it, it's clank, 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 then ain't neither one of y'all praying at that point. You feel me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. But then come on, man, with the wife, I mean, and then thirdly, with the husband's response to the wife. She has a legit concern, right? You know, somebody said you got a work wife. Okay, it might be innocent. It might not. She don't know that. It, she, she doesn't know that. You know what I'm saying? So she's going to question that rightfully so. That's fine. Your answer cannot be nonchalant. It just cannot be. You got to go and nip that in the bud. Hey, uh, my coworker was just joking. That's how he plays like that. Or, you know, she, she played like that. We, uh, you know, That's just how we trip. I don't know why she told you that. We just playing with it. Uh, I don't have a work wife. There's just one of the coworkers. We both got hungry. We both decided to go get some lunch. That's all it was. Hey, in fact, if you want to just really be honest or if you want to really, you know, find out deeper, you can come up to the job. She'll explain it to you. You know what I'm saying? It's not really only even in the, he got to go deeper than just, you know, ain't no big deal. I mean, she doesn't know that. Make her right? feel comfortable. You got to make that. her know it's not a big deal by explaining. Mm-hmm. You just can't say it's not a big deal. I mean, you know how many men and women done cheated that after saying it wasn't a big deal? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, it is a pretty big deal. Uh, uh, you know, at least to the person who is who is 
the victim in the situation, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, colleague definitely ain't praying. He is the seed of all, well, I won't say the seed, but he is the culprit in all of this, bro. No, nah, he ain't praying for sure. Or she, it could have been a woman, I don't know. You made yeah. a valid point in that because you said that, you know, you acknowledge it could just be the coworker even calling it that. He may not even right. be he looking may... at it as that. Yep. Yep. But just just from that, it's almost like instigating. You know yeah, this yeah. to fiance. You hating, bro? Come on, man. Yeah, oh, you people, say that to my wife. People, <laughs> people will sow discord, seize a discord. Um, and me being a single guy, when I used to work in the school system, I cool with people, of course, at work. And some people, you know, were either in relationships such as them, whether they was engaged or married. When then folks would try to, you know. Mention like I told my my dude that you know that ain't nothing but Coach Davis. He like my work husband. I said, hey, don't be telling that man that. I don't, I don't, I don't need no 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 nigga tree going on at my place of employment. You so crazy. I said, no, you so crazy. I don't want to. I, look, I'm not worried about anything, but I just know everybody don't take that well. You was Mister okay. Fix It. Yeah, you know. So you know what I'm saying. I say that don't even don't even don't play play with those terms. Okay, I was just I was just joking. He know. I was like, you think he may know but he probably like no one cut come on see who said looking see. at you with the eye yeah yeah like eye. so you know i said don't be saying that you know you know yeah but it will happen <laughs> but this this is what goes on out here man people it may seem innocent harmless but sometimes it that's exactly what it is and other times it's people actually really doing some some r kelly and mr biggs down low stuff so you will never know <laughs> You want to make sure that, you know, that single or not single, married or engaged in this case, whatever case is, that you want to just not be in that. You know, because right. it, 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 it can go left real quick. And once it go left, it's hard to come back around right with it. <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, and I agree, but I think for single people, it's a lot easier to navigate. You know what I'm saying? Because usually work husband, work wives kind of know we just playing or kind of flirting with each other. Not that I disagree with you. I, I agree. It can go yeah. left depending on the person. But that is hard to navigate if you're married. I don't care if you're playing or not. It's very hard to navigate because I'm telling you, man, if you, if you and your spouse have an argument <laughs> and y'all had one of them, you know, can't take back arguments and you on your way to work in that in that if my wife mode or if my husband mode, I don't mm -hmm. care about and that, like, that be the day that the co-workers got on the little dress that you like. You know, come on now. You know, I'm, I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? Then it's like that, like, all that can happen. Now, I'm speaking from experience. While she wasn't my work wife, it was a co-worker that I'm like, she looks good. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. the day me and my wife got to arguing is the day it's all out there. You know what I'm saying, and the temptation will happen, brother. You gotta, you gotta go and get away from that. Shut that down, and <laughs> just say, yeah. just in case somebody out there gonna insinuate. No, I ain't never cheated on my wife, so don't even try that. I just said the temptation came, right? But you overcome the temptation, so don't even try that. I just had to go and lay that out there because people who don't Disclaimer. even know you will make their own assumptions. Yeah. No, it didn't happen. Yeah. Twelve years next month, ain't never cheated. God bless you. That's what's up. Well, you know, <laughs> hey, 
all of that is is what it is. So uh, Raquel just had that had that conversation with him, um, and now, man, we've had a great show. Um, definitely glad that you came on the podcast, be our guest today, Chris. We want to oh, give yes. you this moment to let everybody know how to get in contact with you for any speaking engagements or any uh, any ventures or anything that you got going on here. Now or in the near future, uh, your social media handles, let our audience know, man. Have at it. Well, first of all, let me say thank y'all for having me. I've enjoyed myself. Um, I would say anything Chris Broom related, first go to www.chrisbroomspeaks.com. The C-H-R-I-S-B-R-O-O-M. S-P-E-A-K-S.com. ChrisBroomSpeaks.com. You can book me to speak. You can... Uh, go to my website. You can order the book that I talked about. You can order some of these y'all in print shirts. Did what you decide to do. You can just get a view, an overview of the work that I do with Empowering Futures. Um, just all together. Anything Chris Broom related. www.chrisbroomspeaks.com. Facebook at Chris Broom. Or if you're looking for more like the pastoral side of me, you can uh, tag me at Pastor Chris Broom. I do have a pastor page that is more geared towards just giving words, right? But my Chris Broom page, I have a little more fun on there. You can follow me at both of them. And then my Instagram is Christopher underscore Broom. I don't really do Twitter like that, uh, but you can look up Chris, Christopher Broom on Twitter. I don't really do it. Uh, but other than that, website, Facebook, Instagram. Awesome. Uh, remember, uh, those who are watching, remember, as Jerry has said, make sure you click uh, that like button, click the subscribe button Most on definitely. YouTube, and um, watch us, um, listen to us on Spotify, Google Play, um, Amazon. Make sure you subscribe um, on YouTube. Let me say it again. Make sure you subscribe. Subscribe. Okay? Right now, while you're watching, you see that button? It's right there. Go ahead, push that button. Go click that button. You know you want to. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> thank you again, Chris. We have thoroughly enjoyed this. We, You have given us some powerful nuggets, so we really thank you. Um, we have a special moment. I love to call it my detour moment. You know what I'm saying? It's the detour moment. Hey, I need to have my own music for that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, this is the detour moment. And um, as I have said, Chris was my first speaker when I did a manifest conference, August 18th, 2018. So yesterday it made five years um, since I started Ephesians 6 Productions. Um and you guys know I've also done two stage plays, um, Detours 1 and Detours 2, working on my book, From Detours to Destiny. So Detour, yeah, I'm the Detour Queen. <laughs> and um, it, along this journey, I have found I have had a lot of detours. Times when I could have quit. I could have given up, thrown in the towel, and I didn't. Sometimes you have to keep from crying, just like I'm keeping from crying just now, even saying this. And I'm grateful for every moment that I have had with Ephesians 6 Productions. Um, 
to have a memorable moment like yesterday where it's been five years um, with Ephesians 6 Productions and I launched with Manifest Conference. Well, next Saturday um, is Manifest Conference 2023. Yes, I am excited. Um, And once again, it has been detour after detour after detour. But I always say we have to embrace the journey, embrace the detour. The detours will come, but at the end, you still have room to make it to your destiny. I am excited with what God is going to do with these businesses that come to Manifest Conference. That's what this is. It is a business conference. We're having um, speakers uh, like Dale Self in speaking. Um, we have uh, in book publishing. Um, we have Kia Griffin, who's going to be talking about business planning and so much more. And one of our guests who was on here, uh, Tamika Chambers Williams, and her husband will be speaking on uh, marketing, on branding. We'll have um, music uh, from the incomparable, the awesome couple who were here. Kimberly and Dwayne Verner, you guys come on out next Saturday, 9 to 2, Friday. Kim is doing a concert at 7 p.m., Living Purpose Christian Church. Despite the detours, despite everything that you may have even gone through in your business, I want to see you there. Right. That was powerful, Erica. So now before we wrap this up, comes the brain drop moment. Let me drop something on your brain. Um, before you stick your neck out for anyone, make sure they're not cutthroat. I'm going to say this again. Before you stick your neck out for anyone, make sure they're not cutthroat. In essence, what I'm saying is a lot of times we as individuals, we'll go to bat for different people in our lives, whether they're family, friends, even a significant other, or even a colleague. But that's, Energy or that positivity is not always reciprocated. And some people will take advantage or or not be grateful for you sticking your neck out, whether it's business related or anything. So you have to really look at the individuals that you're going to go to bat for uh, because character speaks volume. Uh, one thing that's hard for you to disguise is your character. You can put on a representative all day. And we've seen that with people, but who you truly are, no matter what you do, eventually comes out. So just be mindful of that. And it's not that it's something because of you. It's because of them. And a lot of times people take it personally. You're going to shake it off and keep moving. But before you stick your neck out, just make sure whoever that is is not cutthroat. And that is the brain drop. We have enjoyed this episode of cap uh we look forward to many more in the near future um want everyone to go and subscribe like we said before on our youtube page as well as spotify google apple amazon uh continue to send your banana peel questions to the cap three uh podcast at gmail.com um And like I said, we enjoy bringing these 
episodes to you because all we're trying to do in this life, all of us, we're trying to cultivate, accumulate, and prosper. And before we sign off, something I always tell you that I want you to know, if you're going to be anything, be for real. This is J.D. signing off. This is Erica. Accumulate. We'll holler at you all.